0: Welcome to the Nick Fong Podcast. As the broker and owner of Roneval Real Estate, Nick has spent nearly 20 years in Baja, California, sir. And in this podcast, he'll be talking everything Baja, from food and culture to real estate and property management. And now, here's your host, Nick Fong. All right, welcome back to the podcast. We're on location in Pescadero, located in the Pacific side of the Baja Peninsula. And today's guest is Mark Sherman. Mark, welcome back.
1: Yeah, thank you. It's good to be back.
0: We were on a podcast months ago in Cerritos, and I got a little short lesson surfing. You did great. <laughs> you got <laughs> How, waves. How's the uh, how's the surf season this time of the year?
1: Well, that's the one of the best things about Cerritos is It's a very consistent beach year round. Yeah. So we're blessed. We've got surf all year as opposed to the East Cape and Cabo, which are limited to summertime. I'm going to go all over the place in this
0: podcast. I want to talk about the
1: location.
0: I want to talk about the property we're in. But let's go back a few weeks ago because you made the news a few weeks ago and it was in our team chat. Um, what What happened a few weeks ago?
1: Oh man, uh, I was involved in a rescue of a uh, powered paraglider who had an accident and wound up in the ocean. And it was during sunsetting.
0: Correct. And what section of the beach were you at when you saw this happen?
1: I was. Near the middle of the Cerritos Bay, which is where I frequently walk my dogs Uh in the evening. And so I didn't know this, but you actually are a lifeguard. Yeah, I I am. And uh, I was part of the initial lifeguard program at Cerritos back in around 2008 or Mm -hmm. so, which was a combined effort with the lifeguards from Imperial Beach, California, who really donated a lot of time and materials to, to jumpstart the program here.
0: So you were already trained to save people. And so you were walking your dog on the beach and you see this glider hit the water.
1: Yeah. Uh, it was about seven 30 and I turned my head to look out towards the ocean and witnessed the last five seconds of his descent into the water. And I was kind of in disbelief at first, like, w- what? I, I... All right. Uh, by had, the... had you ever saved someone that crashed in a glider before? <laughs> Actually, yes. I was involved in another rescue in 2008, and eight, nine, something like that. Yeah when the ultralight at Cerritos wound up in the ocean offshore with a passenger Mm. who in that case was injured and it was a a pretty, it was a fairly serious rescue. Right. Yeah.
0: But you had, you were on guard, you were on duty when that rescue happened. This was, you're just walking your dog and you
1: see this thing hit the water. How far out
0: into the ocean was the By
1: my estimate, approximately half a mile. He was far out. I mean, not close. And
0: so I'm guessing you don't have the equipment to rescue someone.
1: No, actually, I had on a sweatshirt and, you know, work clothes, basically. So, well, when I witnessed it, obviously I didn't know who the pilot was, but I know that I myself would have been capable of getting out of my clothing and swimming back to the shore. But without knowing who the individual was, Mm -hmm. I felt like, Somebody needed to make an effort to make sure this individual was going to be all right because the sun was, you know, there was about an hour of daylight left Mm -hmm. when this accident happened. And the water this time of the year is not warm. You're correct. The water was in the low 60s at this point. Um, The water here is the coldest in May, June, Mm -hmm. which is just due to the ocean currents that contribute to pushing the water into this part of the peninsula. So yeah, the water had not changed yet. We were still in the coldest time of the year. Accident, cold water,
0: half a mile out, sun going down, less than an hour of sunlight. You don't have any equipment. How do you rescue this guy out in the ocean?
1: Well, that, that was, you know, the question that came to my mind as well. How can I help this person without having the proper equipment? There's no way that, I would be able to offer any assistance without having either a rescue board or mm-hmm. a very long, long board or stand up paddle board. Right. So, you know, my first thought was I started calling people at Cerritos who may be able to grab the proper equipment and bring it to where I am. Yeah. But unfortunately, nobody that I reached out to was actually at the beach. Everybody was, you know, in town or something sure. like that. So one friend actually went to the firefighters because you know he didn't really know what else to do, and I uh, happened to remember that I know somebody in the neighborhood mm-hmm. who owns a nine-foot foam board, which is a, a, a very large foam board. Yeah, and uh, how that individual even owns the board is another story in and of itself, but. Uh, I was able to get a hold of that individual's girlfriend who mm-hmm. was just leaving. And I, I said, hey, just please stay at the house for a few minutes, you know, I'm gonna, I, I need that longboard. And if there's a wetsuit in the house, please, I need a wetsuit too. Sure. So I was able to get the nine foot surfboard and I was able to get a brand new wetsuit that fit, it was perfect size. But the craziest part of the story is that, um, the parachute had been floating on the surface of the water, right. and so I was concerned that when I got back, the parachute would have sunk, and it would be kind of a needle in a haystack. Yeah. But when I got back with the equipment, I was amazed I could still see the canopy out there. Mm-hmm. So I, I got the wetsuit on and got the, the surfboard, and by that point, I was feeling a lot better because I had the proper equipment, sure. and I could see a target in the ocean to paddle for. So... I started paddling towards the, the canopy, hoping to find uh, the pilot swimming. That was my, my thought, you know, he's probably gonna be trying to swim to shore. Hopefully I can grab the guy and give him a lift in. Yeah. But the closer that I got to his canopy and I hadn't seen him yet, I'm thinking like, this, this isn't good. <laughs> but as I approached his canopy, I, I heard him. And I'm like, well, it turns out he was on his phone. He had a flotation device, uh-huh. which he had inflated with compressed air prior to uh, impact, to landing in the water, and he was floating. He he was man- He had managed to make some phone calls. He was talking to his ex-wife apparently <laughs> oh when God. I got out there, and. Uh, I was very relieved. The guy was by himself. He wasn't injured. I wasn't quite sure if he had a passenger on board when I had witnessed this, but uh, it all worked out perfectly. The surfboard was just sufficient to float two people. Yeah. And uh, the guy did an amazing job of assisting me to paddle because you know, I told him, this is, you're gonna have to help me, man. There's a lot of weight on this board.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, yeah, he, he did excellent. Yeah. And anyways, I would say all things considered, it went as good as it could have gone.
0: Well, it sounded like a lot of things lined up for you. The fact that you were, just for five seconds, you happened to see him go down. Right. I mean, that's just a matter of seconds. That you're a trained lifeguard. Right. That you know <laughs> someone nearby that has a board that's big enough, a wetsuit. And that this gentleman had a flotation device that he was able to... Because he was, I'm imagining not. He was out fully there.
1: clothed. I mean, he had gotten his shoes off, but jeans, long sleeves. So he's heavy. heavy. He's probably tired. Yeah, and it's extremely cold. It was very cold. Like I said, when I got the wetsuit, I was feeling much better because it, the water was in the low 60s at that point. So
0: you guys can imagine this. I I don't know anything about anything until I see these pictures that were posted on Facebook. With you and the gentleman and the fire the bomberos the fire right. uh department and that story is just absolutely incredible it, it's not the only one though being a lifeguard you've saved plenty of people.
1: well I, this one it was like i said the second time that i've responded to an aircraft right. in the ocean so when i was able to locate the equipment there was definitely a sense of well i've, I've done this before yeah. So, So, truth
0: be known, this is the second time I've heard this story, and Mark has, he's a surfer, he loves the area, you've been here for a number of years, but you were telling me uh, a few weeks ago that you also do something else that's extreme. Can you tell everyone about what that extreme sport um, that you do? Jumping? Well,
1: I was... A very avid skydiver right. at one point in time, yes. And I, I also was involved in base jumping as well. Mm-hmm. I've been taking a little bit of a hiatus. I would say surfing almost replaced parachute sports. Yeah. Although there's definitely uh, a part of me that's always considering getting back in the air. Yeah. You know, I mean, I was have, very active for a while. Have you kiteboarded? No, I have not. And uh, I'm sure that I would love it. Uh, It looks like a blast. There's probably some aspects of canopy control that would transfer. Um, Always wanted to give it a try. I'm sure it's an absolute blast.
0: Hey, thanks for being a part of the Nick Fong Podcast. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast to get the latest updates. And if you're watching this on our social channels, please like and share. And if you want to be featured or you want me to talk on a certain topic, food, activities, culture, real estate in the Baja, drop a comment. Well, that's a great story and um, nothing related to real estate. That's great. I'd like to bring it back to real estate and tell everyone where we're located. Where are we Absolutely. on the map in we we did our first podcast in Cerritos. Right. But the neighboring community next to Cerritos is what?
1: We are in El Gavilan. Mm-hmm. And we are about a uh, three quarters of a mile north of where we shot the last podcast. Mm-hmm. And this is actually my favorite area of Pescadero because it is turning into a beautiful high-end residential neighborhood. And one of the attractions is that you're just a stone's throw away from Cerritos. Mm -hmm. So you can jump in your car and go use the beach in five minutes you're over there. But when you're done with the beach, you come back to a quiet residential neighborhood that has a totally different vibe than what you find just a stone's throw south. And you've done a lot of business in this area. I have. So so
0: much so that you decided to buy your own piece of Gavilan, the And we're actually in your casita.
1: We are, exactly. I was selling lots in this neighborhood before there were really any houses in this neighborhood. The titles only go back to 2005. So really the sales didn't pick up over here until six years ago, something Mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. And as I was mentioning at that point, there was so much inventory that Even when people were feeling an attraction to the area, every lot was for sale on the street. So a lot of people would go home and say, no, I really loved what I saw, but I'm not necessarily feeling a sense of urgency or that I'm going to miss out on this opportunity if I don't make this decision immediately. Well, the situation is now 180 degrees. There's a demand and there is no inventory available.
0: And so when we were driving up to your house, I was amazed because even though I'd been on the beach here, right. I hadn't paid attention to the houses off the beach. And you're just like a stone throws away from the beach. Right. In fact, we're looking at this huge property in front of us. And you were telling me earlier that's owned by
1: who? So that is the Modern Elders Academy, mm. which is owned and operated by Chip Connolly. Mm-hmm. And I think I had mentioned to you that he began establishing his presence in this neighborhood about six years ago, right when the sales were just starting to pick up. And inadvertently, he helped to encourage a lot of these people that I mentioned who had left saying, I really loved what you showed me. Well, when it became known that he was establishing a presence in the area and a business. A lot of these individuals who were on the fence called me and said, hey, I, I found out who he is. Yeah. And, you know, he doesn't seem like the type of guy who's made a lot of mistakes with his real estate acquisitions. So let's go ahead and do this. And like I said, now there's no more inventory what? for lots. For now.
0: those of you that, for those that don't know who Chip is, who, who is he, what's his claim to
1: fame? Well, uh, Google and Wikipedia will tell you that he is the main player responsible for the success of Airbnb. So So he has been in the hospitalities industry, I believe for the majority of his career. Mm -hmm. And Airbnb is only one in a long string of accomplishments related to the hospitalities industry that this individual has been involved in. He's a very impressive human being. And uh, it's an honor to have him in the neighborhood. Literally, I mean, his house is right in front of you. It's crazy. Yeah, absolutely. And the Modern Elders Academy has received quite a bit of publicity, very positive attention. What is the Academy? I myself am not overly familiar with the curriculum, Mm -hmm. but my understanding is that it's uh, life coaching retreats and yoga plays an aspect of it. I know... uh, Surfing is involved as well. Um, I should familiarize myself. Oh, I'll him tell him. you,
0: because when, when you just told me earlier today that that's his property, because we noticed it, and I was like, what's that huge property? He said, that's chips. I was introduced to him for the first time a couple years ago on the Gary V podcast. Right. And he, the academy is for people that are instructors that come and teach people, Okay. And then people pay money also, typically business owners, executive level people, managers that are, for whatever reason, they're trying to find their place. Right. Because maybe from a professional standpoint, they've achieved a certain level of success, but there's always more to light than Absolutely. the business side. And so it was really impressive. And when I found out that his academy was in the Baja, and then it was, he started talking about Toto Santos, and it was like, what? And I started connecting the dots, and it's interesting that the picture is now completely full in my mind, because that's his property. But it's not just him. There's a lot of houses that are huge in the area.
1: Yeah, there is some serious investment Mm -hmm. being made into this area at this point in time. Um, There are, There's a small group of individuals who are affiliated with uh, Facebook or what is now Meta who are also establishing a presence in this area. Uh, Some really spectacular homes going on.
0: So you have your own piece of the paradise here.
1: That's correct. And so this
0: is the casita that you just finished building. I know there's some details you're still working on, but what's the idea with this property?
1: Well, I actually have two properties and the property that we are Currently on, Mm -hmm. I intend to keep for myself. This property will have uh, a main home as well. Where we are sitting is the guest casita. Mm -hmm. And the adjacent home is a pre-construction sale that's very quickly, nearly coming to market here.
0: So similar style architecturally of your casita. And you're gonna come to market with a pre-construction spec home. And I'm imagining a buyer that would be interested in this area being your neighbor could customize even the property.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. A buyer will 100% have the ability to select their own finishes Mm -hmm. and have total control over everything that goes into it. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the main advantages to the buyer is, as I mentioned, there's no inventory available over here. And when inventory comes around, it tends to sell about as quickly as it comes up. So if somebody were to go down that road, assuming a lot came up, it's quite a process to get through the closing and permitting phase. Well, I'm already, permitted next door. So we can break ground, uh, immediately immediately. Yeah. So a buyer could save approximately a year to a year and a half. Yep.
0: And time is money. And if you're interested in being Mark Sherman's neighbor living in this phenomenal area where there's some really good neighbors and the number one thing in real estate is location. And so this location is undeniable. Mark, the second podcast, thanks. I'd love to come back when you have this completely done and the proper marketing and signs for the spec home next door. Um, As always, I appreciate uh, you being a guest on the podcast. Thanks for having me. All right, guys, until the next one, bye for now.
1: Cool. Cool.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of the Nick Fong Podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast and the YouTube channel at youtube.com slash Real Estate and follow Nick on Instagram at Nick Fong underscore Ronaval. Ready to find your Baja dream home? Check out the latest property listings at roneval.com or findmexicohouses.com. Hasta luego.